This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans. Welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno. You can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined by my co-host, AJ Scholes, who's proving to be a great follow at AJ Scholes 24. We are coming at you today with our fifth NHL preseason show, where we are prepared to give you a preview of more tips to prepare for your start of the season, which happens uh, later this week. We're taping on a Tuesday, October the 11th, and the regular season kicks off tomorrow night, AJ, and I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, there's been some stunning news on the eve of the start of the season, and one of your favorite players and mine is down. And uh, why don't we begin with talking about Sid the Kid with a concussion, there's not a lot of news about this situation, but uh, there's a lot of concern, rightfully so. Uh, I'm going to let you have a chance to talk about this and see uh, where you're going with it. Yeah, the, the history of concussions here is the biggest concern. Um, he, you know, he had the, basically lost a year uh, with those back-to-back concussions he had, and it seems every time he starts you know, getting hot, get on, getting to the kind of pinnacle of his game again, um, he picks up one of these concussions. And as you mentioned, not a lot of details. Um, you know, Coach Mike Sullivan kind of playing it close to the vest about what happened at that Friday practice. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a major concern um, in Pittsburgh. You know, for, for fantasy owners out there, uh, you know, Malkin is probably going to pick up the biggest share of minutes. Um, but don't shy away from maybe a guy like Matt Cullen uh, coming in and, and helping out there as well. Absolutely. And with that, there are a number of other bits of news on the injury wire, too, that we got to touch on. And uh, why don't we go around the league a little bit and go through a few of these and the impact there. Uh, over in Los Angeles, they have a bit of a hole in their top six, too, with Marion Gabryk 
down with a foot injury. He'll be out, out for about eight weeks, AJ, and and that's a team that I think is going to go a long way. And and I just wonder if there's anybody out there that's going to pick up the slack. Uh, I know I mentioned in our preseason show that maybe Dustin Brown is a guy that will fill in that role for for a while. This is a guy who had five or six tw- 20-goal seasons earlier in his career before he was switched over into a bit of a defensive role, and maybe he's a top candidate there to make uh, that replacement. Gabrick's a 34-year-old winger, and you wonder if he's at the latter part of his career. He's kind of a one-way player, so it, it's a, a tale of different sorts there in terms of quality of player that you're going to get at that position. Uh, certainly they'd like to have the sniper mentality that he brings, but maybe they're better off with a guy who's a little more responsible and will in- insulate that top six defensively and has the capability of a 20-goal shooter. Where do you stand on the Dustin Brown versus Marion Gabrick argument? Uh, I'm I'm with you there. I, I like his, uh, you know, Brown's a little more defensive uh, stability, uh, but there's just no replacing Gabrick's uh, experience and leadership uh, on the bench, in the locker room as well. Um, I, I actually like uh, Tyler Toffoli um, on the right side of Kopitar there. That uh, guy played all 82 games last year, uh, 31 and 27 as far as uh, stats there. So uh, that's a guy I actually look for. Um, I, I seem to be panning Dustin Brown every week. Last week I uh, said I you know saw Tanner Pearson in his spot before. Um, but I, I like the scoring um, output from some of those other guys a little bit more than than Brown. But you have a good point. He's he's much more of a two-way player. Then uh, I'm just going to go through a couple of other teams that have some issues. Uh, one on the blue line in Boston, uh, AJ, where they're, they're looking like they're going to start the season without two of their top four defensemen, in my opinion. Kevin Miller, Miller and Adam McQuaid, that kind of wipes out their second second tier of uh, defensive uh, pairings over there Uh, McQuaid is a hard rock but he can also shoot the puck he's got an abdomen issue that doesn't sound very good to me and it could it almost sounds like an it could be a longer term situation there Uh, we're hoping not for Boston fans but this is a guy that I really like because he plays the game tough he can be used on the power play with a big shot and in his absence there's really going to be a lot more stress on a guy like Zidane Ochara and and John Michael Lyles, two guys that are 30, 35 and up. Uh, that just speaks to my concern that I expressed earlier in the season, the preseason rather, where I think this team is a team that could be in some trouble. Yeah, and kind of strange with those injuries hanging out there uh, that Christian Erhoff decides to just kind of up and leave. Um, sounds like he couldn't get you know a guaranteed spot, didn't want to be that seventh or eighth defenseman. Um, but with those injuries ling- lingering, it's, it, I was a little surprised to see him walk away from that, uh, that tryout. And uh, next to, to Boston and Buffalo, a couple of their big guys that are they're really hoping for some big things uh, from Kyle Ocpozo, a big signing, one of the biggest ones in the offseason. And he's got an issue, and so does Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, with uh, with Ocpozo, it's a knee. With O'Reilly, it's the back. They're not expected to be long-term hurts, but when, you're, when your big guys start off the season with, with some bumps and bruises like this, particularly a knee and a back, those are, those are common injuries in sport, and you wonder if they're going to linger all year long. Uh, what's, your, what's your sense for one or both of these guys uh, in the early going? I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it, um, but you, you, know, you bring up a good point with uh, kind of those are both areas with, that, that can linger. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Buffalo can weather the storm. Uh, you know, if, if those guys miss opening night or even, a, you know, two or three games, you still got Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart kind of right there behind them. 
Um, obviously that, you know, forces, uh, some of your healthy scratches onto a fourth line position, but I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm a Buffalo fan. And I think we can say the same thing in Chicago where, you know, if you see Duncan Keith's name on the injury list before the season starts and he's got a knee injury as well, you're thinking, oh my God, he's, he's a linchpin for the Hawks. But again, it's not something that's deemed to be overly serious. So don't fret. He might even be in your opening day lineup over there. Uh, another one that you highlighted, and, and this is a big one in Florida, that Jonathan Huberdeau is out with a lower body injury. There's not a lot of detail there other than the fact that he's expected to miss half the season, and that's a, that's a shocking development in Florida, one that can really almost tip the scales, I think, in the standings in that division with Tampa and Florida, I predicted, battling it out. This could be the key that, that uh, takes Florida sta- uh, back a step, excuse me, and, and I think it paves the way for a guy that I really like, and Nick Bugstad, to return to top six favor over there in Florida. This is a big, rangy centerman who, who can play the wing a little bit, too. And I think if he gets a regular shift in the top six, you could see a real spike in his scoring totals. But Jonathan Huberdeau uh, owners must be uh, holding their heads in their hands this morning. Yeah, that's a huge blow. Uh, you know, a, a player like that, 60-point player, is almost impossible to uh, to replace um, I like uh, Jonathan Marshall uh, uh, to maybe take over some of that, uh, some of those missing minutes as well. Um, but the pressure will be on, I think, primarily UC Jokinen uh, to come up with some scoring there alongside uh, Barkov and Yager. And then another, another big name, a top six player in St. Louis, Jaden Schwartz is out for four weeks. You hope that's all that it's going to be. He's dealing with an elbow injury, and that's not a long-term thing, but but uh, this is a guy who's a primetime scorer. He's emerged in the last couple of years, and I had him pegged for about a 60-point season, playing front-line minutes. They have some depth there. I like Robbie Fabry as a guy who, who may step up and, and is poised, I thought, for a bit of a breakout campaign. And now with the hole on the, in the top six, I think he gets that opportunity. My bigger concern, actually, with Schwartz is kind of long-term, especially if I had him in like a dynasty league. You know, he only played 33 games last year, so injuries seem to just continually pop up for him. Um, I, I think the Blues will be fine. Uh, you know, like you said, it's only a couple of weeks. Should be back in about late October, early November. Um, but, yeah, the long-term concerns on Jaden Schwartz are, are more of a, of a red flag for me. Yeah, and a guy who falls into that category is in Tampa, Ryan Callahan. This is a guy who's a name recognition player among scorers over there and, and a leader in that club. And uh, there's talk that he's going to be out for a month and a half. And, and he's a, another guy that's been banged up. Tampa's a team that we both are high on. And I think they have a lot of parts that, that can be moved up or down. And, and uh, they're heartened by the fact that they, they will be signing Nikita Kucherov. So that helps solidify the, their uh, top six. But losing Callahan means a loss of leadership there. And, and I think for me, that's a big concern in Tampa. Are you uh, at all worried about that situation? It's definitely a concern, but I, I think they they had time to plan for this one a little bit. They knew he was having the offseason surgery. Um, it did make that, that Kucherov deal much more of a priority, I think. Um, they might have had to pay him a little more than they were originally planning. Um, but I like Va- uh, Vladislav Namastiknikov. Thank you. <laughs> um, to uh, you know, kind of pick up a little bit of that, that bottom six scoring. And uh, having Jonathan Druin on your top line is never a bad thing. And uh, we can switch over to some other hurts that that, uh, we see over there. Um, I'm a little bit worried about 
veteran players, the older players when they get hurt. So uh, does age factor into it for you or, or do you look specifically at the situation, maybe the depth and the roster in general terms, uh, AJ, what's your sense in that, in that way? Like a Michael yeah. Delzato, for instance. Yeah, I, I generally, you know, certainly age always has to be a factor. You know, guys that, that get hurt, the recovery time can always be longer. You know, you start to question whether or not this could be the end. Um, but, you know, you have to think in the here and now organizationally during the year. Um, so I, I tend to look more at depth as far as, you know, if, whether or not I feel a guy's, you know, replaceable at least for the, the short term. Yeah, I'm concerned about Del Zotto because of the frequency with which he gets hurt. And then a guy like a Nicholas Cronwall is 35 years old, AJ. And you wonder, Detroit really relies on him and Mike Green, two 30-somethings. To, they're really they're in, in this, AJ, I know for a fact, having a connection with this club, their primary objective is to extend their consecutive playoff streak first and foremost, and keep it uh, going as long as Mike Illich, the, the great owner, maybe the greatest owner in hockey, is around. And so that's that's a primary focus there. And, and losing Cronwell for any length of time is a big deal. We're seeing that he's probably going to be missing the start of the season, but it's a knee injury on a guy that's that old. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Detroit situation. If they don't keep him healthy, there's a lot of pressure on that back end, and there's not a lot of capability in terms of... Uh, leading the offense and defending against uh, the other teams yeah as I mentioned you know sometimes those some of the older guys it seems to take a little bit longer this Cronwell knee injury has has kind of lingered through the preseason um, sounded like you know at first maybe he wasn't going to miss um, any games at the start of the season then you know might miss just preseason and it's it's kind of lingered so that's definitely a concern for me and then in St. Louis they were banking on Jake Allen to be their guy going forward they they traded uh, brian elliott and and allen looks like he he is a little iffy to start the season there the latest is that he will test his leg at practice today before to determine what he's going to do tomorrow uh, that's a bit of a red flag but it affords the opportunity for them to take a look at another minor league goalie who has a connection to my uh my uh resident residential area here in richmond hill ontario he jordan bennington is a, a native of richmond hill he went to school with my kids and so i'm kind of pulling for him to get a chance and see uh, if he gets that baptism under fire in st louis a really good team but let, uh, let's make no mistake jake allen is is the guy that they're banking on and and if he has injury woes during the course of the season that takes this team from contention to maybe fighting for a playoff spot in this division yeah, you know, I'm I'm unfortunately not as confident on Bingington as as you might be. Um, gonna dig into that AHL bag of tricks. Watched him in a couple games. Definitely seems shaky. Um, was kind of easy to rattle um, if you started peppering him with shots. I thought, mm-hmm. um, at least in the in the few games that I saw. So, um, you know, hopefully Carter Hutton uh, can maybe hold out if Allen misses a couple games. But I think you're dead on there. As far as their season goes, if if Jake Allen isn't healthy enough for the for the whole season, they're really going to regret um, getting rid of their other netminder. Well, let's swing over then to another part of our show that we want to we want to look at, and that is some surprises among the opening day rosters and some concerns that you've highlighted in terms of players that are not yet signed. Like I said, Kucherov is a guy that's getting closer in the Tampa situation. But in Buffalo, they have a linchpin at the defense position that is not signed yet. And that, to me, is a big red flag because this is a guy that they're expecting big things from. 
Yeah, Rasmus uh, Rustelainen is, you know, uh, arguably the best uh, the best defenseman there in Pittsburgh. Actually, maybe not even um, Buffalo, right? Buffalo. I'm sorry. Um, you got Pittsburgh on the brain. I can get it. It's the opening of the season. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Sid Crosby injury has me has me thrown. Um, but yeah, uh, Rissalainen, clearly the best forward and uh, defenseman in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, not having him under contract, I think, is is just, I, I don't know, it, it makes me speechless, to be honest with you, um, how you can let your best player not be there. They did give him the exemption to skate with them and practice with the team. Um, but I, I just don't understand how this isn't getting done. Yeah, I don't get it either because the drop off after him is is to a guy like a Zach Bogosian, who's you know I got no knock against him as an overall player. I'd love to have a guy like this on my team, but he's a hard rock defenseman, more noted for his the defensive side of the puck. He did finish the season strong last year with something like 15 points in his last 17 games, and you wonder if Buffalo sees something in him that expects them him to continue at that rate to start the season, and they're thinking, oh well, we can weather the storm with Ristolainen, but. But uh, Bogosian's career tells me that he's a 30 to 35 point player maximum, whereas Ristolainen could be one of those guys that gets up towards up 50 points a year. And you want to lock this guy up as quickly as you can. He's 21 years old, and you wonder if if it's a matter of how many years this guy wants, or does does he want does the team want to kind of buy into his free agency years? Because that's now what you're seeing around the league too. AJ is, and we saw this with uh, with Johnny Gaudreau. He signed a long term deal with Calgary uh, the other day, and and he the, the sticking point here was Calgary wanted him for another year. They wanted him for seven years, I believe, and he only wanted to go for six so that he would be a free agent a little bit earlier. Since he wasn't getting the money that he was hoping for, he thought, I'm going to get out earlier uh, and test the free agent market potentially at that, at that point, six years hence, uh, given that he didn't get the dollars that he was looking for. And I wonder if that's the same situation Ristolaitin. It's a new landscape here with the contract, so we're all trying to get a feel for it. But I'm thinking that that might be a situation worth watching in, in this regard. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with you there. It's it's a unique situation where, you know, you think of contracts and you think of guys wanting that that long term security. That's kind of seems to be almost the old school of thinking um, as far as NHL contracts go. Guys aren't necessarily looking for you know as many years as possible. Um, looking more, how do I you know parlay this into the next contract? And it, it's definitely a, a different mindset for both um, players, agents, uh, you know. Uh, team execs and, and us as well well and and one other guy in anaheim and this is a situation worth watching because there's going to be other dominoes that fall hampus lindholm is not yet signed and there's an impact on the rest of that defensive core that 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 remains to be seen cam fowler is a name who i've talked about in our pre- preview show for this division that he's a name that's been bandied about in trade talks and, and i wonder if it's it's linked uh, to to the lindholm uh, contract talks Definitely no way you can trade away Cam Fowler if you don't have Hampus uh, Lindholm signed. I mean, that's just a foregone conclusion there. So um, if they get Lindholm in, maybe they'll consider trading him away. But, um, you know, I I feel like that would be, you know, why not have both? Honestly, in my opinion, I I think there's plenty of room on that team for both guys. Um, Yeah, you could probably get some, you know, some good value trading away Fowler. But I don't necessarily think it's it's a needed uh, move. Well, and now let's, you know, in the 
in addition to the preview shows, we get to forecast what we're going to see during the rest of the season. And so uh, we came up with a couple of topics that we won't touch on too many times. Er, but in the early going, we're afforded the opportunity looking into our crystal ball. We're going to be more of who's hot and who's not and what's going on with line combinations when the season starts. But at the beginning of the year, we get to make some predictions, AJ. So let's look at the conferences and say... For me, I'm looking at these conferences and, and, and trying to pick out a couple of teams that will tumble in the standings this year. I'm putting Vancouver and the Islanders at the top of this list because for me, Vancouver, this, this is a club I highlighted. I was really down on them uh, with what they didn't, didn't do in the offseason. They didn't get any younger with quality. And they're pinning their hopes on a lot of 35-plus guys or 33-plus guys in goal and up front to carry the flag one more time. And I just think there's too many teams that are going to pass them in this regard. So that's a team that's going down with a bullet. And along with them over in the east, I'm going to go with the Islanders because they lost two top six players in Kyle Pozo and Franz Nielsen from their top six not, and not replace them with any anything of substantial quality. So those are teams that I think are going down with a bullet. And I wonder if you have a sense for any other teams or your comments on those two clubs. You won't get any argument from me on either of those clubs. Uh, I think those are both great calls. Uh, for me, I, I see the Stars taking a bit of a tumble. Uh, they're already kind of getting bit by that injury bug. And that, that goaltending tandem is just a huge question mark yeah. for me. Yeah, I agree uh, with you. Yeah, and I think this will be our, our biggest disagreement here. Um, I know you see probably the opposite there, but uh, I've got Arizona. I don't know how much of a tumble it is, um, but I don't expect them to be very good this year. I just don't think they have uh, a team identity yet. And I think they're still a year or two away from really uh, contending for a playoff spot. Well, this is where we had that loony, one of the loony bets that we made at the beginning of the season, AJ, and I'm going to be all over the Arizona Coyotes this year. I think this is a team that, that, as I said in our analysis, and I don't think you agree with this point, they have collected a number of young, ta- young skilled players over the last few drafts, finishing near the bottom. And I think they're ready to take a turn for the better. They have so many pieces there that, that look to be gelling or on the verge of gelling. And so I'm, li- I'm looking at Max Domi, Anthony Duclair, Thomas Ryder on the wings, Dylan Strone up front. None of these guys is over 23 years old. And then in goal, they get Mike Smith back to help uh, stabilize that position. I know you weren't high on him either. And he has the injury history. He's 34 years old, though, and, and has had a pile of work uh, before he got hurt. He was the guy that, that faced more rubber than... Uh, than uh, the the workers on the line in Goodyear, uh, I think uh, when you look at that situation. But but I think that I think the pressure is going to be off him a little bit because they're going to have the puck a little bit more. And so I I just see that Arizona's a team that's that's going to be on the rise in the West. And I may surprise with my pick in, in the East. I think Carolina's a team that could go uh, go some places as well. But that's more of a function of of other teams in that division with the big arrow down. And I'm thinking of teams in the New York and New Jersey area going the other way with the Rangers and maybe the Islanders headed south. There's got to be one team that goes up, and I'm picking Carolina to be that club. I've got uh, uh, Edmonton in the West uh, making the playoffs this year. A pretty big jump for them from the... uh, you know the bottom of the pacific division uh but there's just so much so much talent there uh to build around and i i think they're definitely trending upwards um you know and might not win the division but definitely could compete for that that third or even the second spot i think in the pacific division um as far as the eastern conference goes my team on the rise you know i i think buffalo is going to do better whether or not they make the playoffs is is a little bit of a stretch there 
Um, but I definitely like your call about about Carolina on the rise, especially as you mentioned. Both New York teams just seem to be missing something that X factor that you know is going to push them into the playoffs. What about a team like the Montreal Canadiens? How about the Carey Price return? Does that make them a bona fide playoff team, and can they threaten for first place in the Atlantic Division? I don't know about first place in the Atlantic, but definitely playoffs. If if you know maybe that third spot, maybe the wild card. I, I wouldn't bet against Carey Price as long as he's healthy. And what's the ceiling for my Maple Leafs? Come on, be objective. I can't. Yeah, you know, I just again they're they're in that rebuild. I think we're going to see a lot of AHL guys coming in, coming out as they shuffle things around. You know, so I I don't think they'll be at the bottom again, which you know may or may not be good news for you if you're looking for another high draft pick. But um, six or seven, I think maybe five at, at best, but. Um, still still a couple years away well i'm looking for better days ahead i think the rebuild has been done correctly we've seen so many rebuilds where they've they've kind of plugged in older players signed up players on the free agent market i think they're finally going about it the right way so i'm going to sit back and be patient but it leads us into a discussion of of some of the players that could be plugged in uh, in coming weeks when we look at the waiver wire uh, aj and and i know you highlighted a couple of players so did i and let's go through a few of these names because there's there's even a couple of goalies here that merit some discussion so we'll go through this the list of highlighted players and and and, and wonder out loud i mean uh, the first name that leaps out to me is is a former leaf pa parento this guy was a real good citizen in toronto last year and and turned into a bit of an on-ice leader and a real good power play guy. For a winger, P.A. Parento is one of the better puck handlers out there, and I thought that he'd be a great fit with the Islanders, but he didn't make the club. This move doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, 40, 40 points last year, had a, a decent kind of resurgence in Toronto, and, you know, that, that pairing back up with, with John Tavares seemed to be a match made in heaven. Um, so not really sure why why they're not keeping him around. You know, maybe it's a roster flexibility move. Maybe they're just waving him now, hoping he goes unclaimed so that if they need to later, um, they don't have to do it again. But I, it, it was definitely a, a head scratcher. Yeah, and then you got Zabinic McCallick for the Coyotes. This guy would have been a, a good veteran presence over there. Again, to use your words, a bit of a head scratcher for me, but this this just speaks to the full-on uh, youth movement that's going in, on in Arizona, unless your name's not Shane Doan. Yeah, it's all youngsters on the on the blue line now. And while I definitely think that's, that's good long-term, it's one of the reasons why I'm not sold on them this year. Um, you know, they're, they're their blue line's gotten almost completely, you know, a youth movement, as you mentioned. Um, so definitely, you know, holding them back now, but but a good sign for the future. I, I definitely wouldn't be disappointed if I was a Yotes fan. There, there are a couple of guys I'll gloss over a little bit, though you list them here. And one is Greg Campbell of the Columbus Blue Jackets. A number, another one, Rob Scuderi of the Kings. These are veteran types, thirty-something-year-old players in two situations where they're more in there for depth. And, and in Scuderi's case, there was a bit of a big ticket on him too. So you wonder if that plays a part in these decisions. AJ, I wonder if you have a reaction on either of those players. Scuderi wasn't really a, a big surprise to me. He was with three different teams last season. Um, you know, basically became late season, mid season trade bait um, as far as that went. Um, so, and not terribly surprising that they decided to go a different route, you know, and Campbell a little bit more, um, 
of a, of a shocker there, but not any, you know, I'm not uh, losing my mind over it. He did play all 82 games last year. So it, that's a nice um, kind of depth durability to have there, but it, definitely not uh, overly surprised. Now, one that surprised me was in Detroit. This is a team that bucked the trend in their history, AJ. I talked about this on other shows that I've done in the past where they gave Dylan Larkin a chance as a 19-year-old player. They don't do that. They, they get their guys to have their, get their feet wet in Grand Rapids, and they usually star over there before they come up to Detroit, and then they take off. One guy who didn't take off last year after being in that Grand Rapids pipeline is Timo Pulkinen. And, and after being a guy who was a year ago at this time when, we were doing, when I was doing this show, I was touting him as maybe even a Rookie of the Year candidate. His star has really fallen, and, and he is, found himself on that waiver wire. I was stunned by this move. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'd be surprised if he clears waivers. Um, somebody out there is going to be a, I think, is going to want to take a, a shot at him and in, in the, the young talent that he does have. You know, a couple of years ago in the, the AHL, put up 61 points in, in just 46 games. Um, got kind of sh- uh, cut off uh, at the knees, really, uh, with injuries last year. Uh, so, you know, there, there could be some concern there. But I definitely think Detroit's high on him, taking a little bit of a risk, waving him. And I, I think somebody will grab him. Let's take a look at a couple of goalies on this waiver list, AJ, that uh, you highlighted. Mike Condon of the Canadians and Andrzej Pavlik of the Winnipeg Jets. Certainly one is a younger than the other one, but uh, two quality guys. Do you see one or both moving on? I definitely see Condon as a potential pickup. You know, his cap hits only 575000 a really, you know, discounted guy. Um, I'm thinking a team maybe like the Coyotes. I, I think he's definitely better than uh, Deming over there. The Flyers, uh, I'd put Condon ahead of either netminder they got in Philadelphia. Um, and then, you know, possibly the the Sharks, I think, are a prime candidate for him. You know, they've got uh, Aaron Dell kind of untested, uh, really an unknown. So bringing in Condon for some, as a veteran backup behind um, the, the starter there, I think, is is probably the best spot. And uh, Pavlisak, I, I don't think he's going to end up anywhere. His That 3.9 million um, cap hit is a little high. Um, you know, he's I, I talked about this before. I think Connor Hellubuck is is the new netminder there uh, for the Jets. And I think going forward is is going to be their their starting goaltender. Pavlisak's got a year left, probably will ride it out in the AHL this year and then go sign somewhere else in the offseason. Yeah, I think those are good calls. Condon is a guy who will definitely find a home, and I think he makes a lot of sense over in San Jose. So that's one that I would, I would almost bet on. Uh, there's some great tools out there. I want to take a minute to do a bit of a promo for Rotowire, AJ, and then we'll swing into our promo for FanDuel. There's some great tools to use on the Rotowire website beyond just our lineup optimizer for daily games. The starting goalie grid where we confirm start, starters for every game Every day as they come out is especially helpful when you utilize guys like uh, Niemi and Letnin who split time in Dallas. The injury update page also helps us where we are projected to return and stay on top of the injury news wires. And of course, our weekly rankings, which are updated every Friday during the season for the upcoming Monday to Sunday. And last but not least, our FanDuel value plays for the week article, which is, in AJ's opinion and mine, a must-read before constructing your lineup. And uh, with that, though, we have to remind you that 
We are not just here for hockey, but our sponsors at FanDuel would like us to remind you that football is, is also where there's a lot of fun and games to be had. And uh, fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday. FanDuel, where fantasy football for everyday fans exists. There's new contests starting every week, no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. You get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget out there. AJ, so far, I'm thrilled. The Cowboys are 4-1. and one, But yesterday, the big highlight was Tom Brady's return. Well, how did you see that? And uh, uh, Gronkowski, we also saw something from him finally. Yeah, the the Brady return is is exactly what I was expecting out of him. Big yardage, uh, you know, a handful of touchdowns. You know, Gronk I think is clearly not back to 100%. You know, you saw Bennett got uh, got the three touchdowns there, but uh, you know, good to see Gronk back on the field making some catches. And you know what? It didn't impact Martellus Bennett at all. In fact, he benefited to the tune of a couple of touchdown receptions. I was thinking he would be the big loser here, but maybe they're going to go with a potent two tight end offense. We'll see. They've done it in the past, um, you know, when they had Gronk and then, uh, you know, Aaron Hernandez, um, you know, when he was still in the league, they made a, a pretty good tandem. So they, they could be trending back towards that. And uh, one guy who might be trending into some uh, some production on the field and as, in a, as opposed to nonsense on the field is Odell Beckham. Has he turned things around a little bit in the pa- after the Packers game? He was somewhat productive there. I, I'm not too too sold on that quite yet. You know, the the Packers don't really have a, a dominant, uh, you know, physical corner that can kind of get in his face. So so I'll wait uh, to pass judgment on, on whether or not he's turned it around until we see him up against, you know, one of the more boisterous, um, you know, physical corners. Yeah, he might be the Donald Trump of the NFL. Yeah, there's a way to get under this guy's <laughs> skin and, and some people find it and then he just goes off in a completely non-football direction. So uh, that's what I see out of him so far. But one guy who's, who's thrilled me uh, to no end is his Ezekiel Elliott, I can go on for the next, the rest of this show talking about this kid. He turned on the Jets with a 60-yard touchdown run that he was gone in a flash. Uh, I'm very impressed with him. What's your What's your take? Yeah, you know he had some early season fumble problems, uh, but definitely seemed to have turned it around. I've got him on a handful of season long leagues, uh, including the Ve- the RotoWire Vegas league. Um, definitely, you know, was worth the, the top five pick there. Um, and definitely a, a talented, talented young back you have there in Dallas. And Aaron Rodgers, he'll be facing the Cowboys, Elliot. He wins again, but he didn't look dominant to me, and he hasn't looked dominant all season long, despite the fact that he has all his weapons back, including Jordy Nelson. What's your What's your thoughts on him? They're They're just not clicking um, for whatever reason. You know, they've been getting the touchdowns to Nelson, but they've mostly been coming in the first half. Uh, I don't know if it's it's the play calling in the second half is you know trying to be more conservative and that's causing them to just look out of sorts. But there, there's definitely not uh, something still not right uh, with the Packers offense. Well, something's right in Atlanta, AJ, because that, there's not too many teams that can say they've beaten the both Super Bowl finalists from the previous season. Is this team for real? Quite simply, I don't think so. I'm I'm still selling when it comes to the Falcons. Uh, they started five and zero last season and ended up eight and eight. So until I can see some some more long term success out of them, I'm I'm not going to be a buyer quite yet. Well, and that's why we talked about in this segment some players that we liked, some players that we didn't. That's what that's up to all FanDuel players. You got to pick the players that you like for this week. 
invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. All right, uh, so we invite people to go to fanduel.com slash RW. Now, in terms of building your lineups, AJ, what is it that you like to do in terms of creating a daily lineup? So for me, I like to start with the goalie first, um, and I prioritize finding a netminder I'm confident is going to win. Um, for value, I usually focus on wingers. I feel like there's uh, more depth at the position, and it's easier to find some mid-range talent that can score. And that, um, I'd rather do that than try and find discounts at either the center or the blue line position. And I'll, I'll throw another quick plug in there for FanDuel. They've got their free 5K NHL face-off contest tomorrow, top prize of $100. Um, I'll definitely be entering that contest, so I, I invite our listeners to to join us and see how they stack up against me. All right, that's that's a great idea, and I hope a lot of our listeners go to that site and get on. That's that's a great looking contest. But uh, another part of our preview show, AJ, we're going to go with our award winning projections for the NHL's top awards this season. Let's uh, let's go back and forth a little bit on this one. The Art Ross for the NHL's leading scorer. I'm going to pick Connor McDavid. May sound like a bit of a no-brainer, but I just like the way this this uh, line that he's on has been constructed. He's going to play with another guy who has one of the highest hockey IQs in Jordan Eberle and a guy who's a bulldozer in terms of creating space on the ice like few others up front, and that's Milan Lucic. So to me, McDavid is an uber-skilled player who will benefit from the line mates just as much as they will benefit from him, and I think the sky's the limit for this guy. They won't be asking him to play too much defense or pay attention too much defensive responsibilities he could really light it up this year and i think he's going to be at the top of the charts yeah speaking of no-brainers i'm going to pick patrick kane um definitely a safe pick but he's just surrounded by talent uh he gets uh panarin uh on the line with him again which you know he's been a, a huge fan of and uh artem anisimov looks like it'll be with him as well um and i i honestly think he could hit 100 this year um you know it's a, it's a safe pick but it, it's just it, i think it's the way to go uh, well, two guys. I don't think we'll be wrong on either one. I think there might be one, two in the final standings. The way I haven't projected, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that's another loony bet for us to talk about later. Uh, the Vezina uh, Trophy goes to the top goalie in the league. I think Braden Holpe in Washington has a chance to defend this position very well. Uh, you got to give credit to Barry Trotz here, the coach for the, the Capitals. He brought in a defensive-minded system into a, a pack of players who only knew how to play the game one one way, and that was all offense. But they molded it together, and it came together in a very nice way during the regular season, of course, followed by yet another playoff flop. And you couldn't be happier about that because your pens orchestrated that. But I think Braden Holpe is poised to repeat what he did last year uh, behind a very solid team top to bottom. Yeah, fantastic pick there, Paul. And and just to go a different direction, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you, uh, but I'll go with Jonathan Quick for my my, uh, Vesna Trophy winner. I think uh, the team can finally put a, enough around him to help him, uh, you know, accumulate the, the wins that he needs. He'll definitely handle his own when it comes to goals against average. And I think it all finally comes together for him. 
How about the rookie of, uh, sorry, let's go with the Norris Trophy, the best defenseman. I'm going to go with Brent Burns of the, the Sharks. This guy led the world in goal scoring last year from the blue line. It seems to be point scoring is more emphasized than overall uh, game on the blue line. I don't, don't really agree with that. And I loved the, the winner last year because he was, in my opinion, the best all-around defenseman. But I think that Burns has made a case for himself over the last few seasons as one of the fantasy studs when it comes to hockey and the blue line. And I think he gets some more recognition by by the point totals that he's going to put up again this season, uh, leading the pack by a large margin in goal scoring particularly. Yeah, with offensive uh, talent driving the, the vote getters for this one, uh, I'm going to pick P.K. Subban. You know, I mentioned it during uh, our preview show. You know, he, he could push for a point per game down in Nashville. I think he's got a new home, new partner in Roman Yossi. Um, and I don't see anybody um, defensively outscoring this guy this year. And the rookie of the year, I've got this bolded on my, on our uh, show outline because I, I have never talked about a Toronto Maple Leaf player winning a potential NHL award ever in my history as a, as a, a pundit. So I'm going to put Austin Matthews in the limelight. I've seen every game this guy's played so far. AJ, he's got a man's body at, a, at 19 years of age, and he's got a hockey IQ that looks to be off the charts. I think all the tools are there for this guy to, to get a lot of ice time. The opportunity is there, rather, to get a lot of ice time, and the tools are there to take advantage of them. And he's going to be playing with a couple other young players, too. It's going to be a very interesting line with Nylander and Hyman on that unit that starts out as a third-line group, but I think very quickly they're going to find themselves one of the top two lines on this team. He's going to get a ton of ice time on the power play. I just can't see any way that he doesn't win the award except for a guy in Winnipeg, maybe. Yeah, I don't. And the only hesitation I have is kind of the talent around him, whether or not, you know, they can help him enough for him to, to rack up the points to, to get that rookie of the year. Um, speaking of talent surrounding a guy, I'm going to go with uh, Puglia Jarvi for the Calder Cup. A little bit of a, um, a dark horse candidate there. But on that uh, second line on Edmonton with uh, Nugent Hopkins and, and Bennett Pouliot, um, I just think he's got pieces around him to help make him better. Um, that he can take advantage of, and uh, I'm going to go with him for the call there. And the Lady Bing, um, uh, let's go with the President's Trophy, actually. Most points uh, by a team in the regular season, I'm going to go with the Washington Capitals. They may, that may disappoint you, but I've already said this team is loaded every, every position, so I, I just think they're going to run away like they did last year on the team's overall stand, the league's overall standings. Yeah, I'm going to make a homer pick here. I think even without Sid, i, I got to go with the Penguins. Uh, they're, you know, we're able to put things together under Mike Sullivan for half the season. Now they'll have them on the bench for the whole year. Uh, and I think they're going to be a hard team to stop, especially with that, that two-headed monster in goal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the Oilers for the Lady Bing. I'm going to say Jordan Eberle gets this award. And, uh, you know, maybe on second thought, I'm almost thinking Connor McDavid might even make a play for this. Neither one of these guys is a rough, roughhouse type player, but I'll stick with Eberle as my pick. Uh, the point totals will be there. This guy plays the game the way it's meant to be played. He's not an overly physical player. Maybe that's a knock in some people's eyes, but he's got a lot of skills, and I think they're going to come to the forefront this year uh, when he's playing alongside a quality teammate, two quality teammates in that circumstance I highlighted earlier. Yeah, I love that pick, Paul. Uh, Jordan Eberle definitely could uh, could walk away with it. But uh, let's not rule out Kopitar for, for a repeat um, you know, he's just so talented. You highlighted him with the, the stud of the week. Um, and he plays a very even keel, um, you know, had a good head on his shoulders type uh, type player. Uh, so I'm going to go Kopitar to repeat. 
And that brings us to uh, the conference reps and the cup winner. So uh, I've highlighted the Caps all the way along. I'm going to go with the Kings on the other side. And I'm going to say this year, the Caps win the cup. Ovi gets his ring. What What are your picks? Yeah, I'm I'm going to be boring here. Um, <laughs> and it, it did happen in 08-09 where we had a repeat uh, finals. I'm going to go Pittsburgh and San Jose right back where they were. Um, I think both teams just have so much talent, quality net minding, you know, scores on, on the blue line as well. Um, but, you know, if, I've, if I'm picking Pittsburgh to make it to the finals, I got to pick them to repeat as well. You know what I see here? I see a guy who, who would be a part of the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox argument. You can't like one of those teams and, and not hate the other. And I think that's the <laughs> case with you. It's clouding your judgment on the caps. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But we're down to the, the part of the show that we both look for. I, both, I look forward to it a lot. I hope you do too. We're talking about the stud of the week and the rant of the week. And for my stud, I'm talking about a guy who won't lace them up up this year folks but marty st louis gets the nod his sweater is to be retired in tampa that was an announcement that came very recently uh this guy's career proved there was room for the little man and he helped the league's transition from brawn to skills less with less focused with size and more focused on the ability to play the speed game hockey's in a better place because of guys like him he played paved this critical lane almost single-handedly and i'm glad he's getting his recognition because now there's a lot of guys we talked about johnny hockey we talked about patrick kane our tammy panarin smallish players in stature who can now play the game with the big boys six three six four two hundred and thirty or two hundred forty pounds and not get killed it's because martin st louis showed everybody that there was room for a player like this and my hat's off to him because of it yeah i i'm right there with you i think the other thing that uh that I liked about him is, uh, you know, when he, I believe it was when his uh, mother passed away, um, he came back to the team. The team rallied around him when he was with the Rangers. Um, just a, an all around great player. Sounds like a great teammate as well with the way the team uh, rallied around him in, in that trying time. And I'm going to turn it over to you for the rant of the week. You came up with a good one here. I think it's important to highlight. Yeah. So the rant of the week, we're going to go with uh, Radko Gudis of the Flyers. Be an easy one for me to rant about here. Um, but, you know, Gudis gets a, a six-game suspension for a late hit on uh, Boston's uh, Austin Sarnik. Uh, just a, a dumb play, um, you know, a, a cheap shot, for, for lack of a better term. You know, he's a repeat offender, hence the six-game suspension. Probably should have gotten something for the, the hit on uh, Jimmy Vesey earlier in the preseason. And le- let's be honest, it's, it's preseason contests, and, uh, you know, he's targeting guys, you know, up high. It's just it's not the type of play we want to see in hockey anymore, um, especially with concussions being a major issue. You know, we've got Crosby out, which is bad for for hockey in general, not just Pittsburgh. And, you know, Radko Gudis um, is in his style of play is just going to be the, the rant of the week for, you know, bonehead plays. Um, a physical you know, kind of style is fine. But, you know, this was just a little bit over the top. Glad he finally got a, a suspension. You know what? I think that's very well said, and it's a it's a stunning contrast, actually, to the star stud of the week, where we talk about skills versus brawn and stupidity. Uh, you can put in parentheses there. So I think it's a good contrast and and a great way for us to to end our last preseason show. We're getting into the serious shooting starting tomorrow night, AJ. So I can't wait for it. I know you can't. And uh, we have the new show named Puckcasts with the Statsman and AJ that I'm really happy with, and I know you are too. So thanks again to Michael Leitz, who's going to get that prize of one month of free uh, access to the 
the premium side of our site where you really see a lot of great stuff that, that is unique to fantasy sports, all captured on RotoWire's website. So I'm thrilled for him, and, and I'm counting on our listeners coming back to get more of the lowdown in terms of who's hot and who's not and what's going on around the league. And send your thoughts in. We encourage you. This was another idea that AJ came up with. Send your thoughts and ideas into our, our uh, Twitter handles. Uh, you can find AJ at AJScholes24. Or me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And we ask you to look out for our Hockey Pod every week podcast with the Statsman and AJ so you get the latest news and tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.